emotional as a strength. It's just that, like, for instance, if, like, like you'd never, like, having 69% feeling, that's not a bad thing. That's actually pretty cool because that means, like, you're feeling things that some people are just numbing out, right? Not to say that someone's bad if they're not in feeling. I'm just saying, like, that's strength. Like, you don't need that to change. Sometimes people come to me and they feel like, oh, I just have to stop being emotional. It's probably more, like, if someone's 69% feeling and they're, like, 50% and they're more on the assertive side than turbulent, assertive people take control of their emotions. They don't feel less. They don't, you know, they feel more confident in their emotions and whatnot. So really the goal is never to be less. And you said it yourself, like it's about like controlling the emotions. But part of that is feeling confident in them and whatnot. But if anyone's listening. Welcome to the Purposeful Fitness with Coach Ola, where I dive in deeper into holistic health and fitness topics that would help you stay inspired, motivated, and dedicated to living a purposeful fit life while pursuing for the akhirah. Hey, salamu alaikum and welcome to episode number 36. Today's episode is all about emotional intelligence as we dive deeper into it with Yasmin Isa. And I'm a fan of this episode because it really is important for us both men and women to understand our emotions to understand how to cope with it because it is super important when it comes to our workouts and you will find out how it can impact our fitness journey our guest for today is yasmin isa who is a board certified health coach who helps individuals and families introduce and sustain healthy habits for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala she draws inspiration from psychology nutrition fitness islam personal development and neuroscience she holds an undergraduate business degree in the marketing and management from Montclair State University and a holistic health coaching certification from the Institute for Integrative Nutrition. She is a board certified by the American Association of Drugless Practitioners. She left a successful career in healthcare marketing in 2012 pursue this work full time. Through her private practice, Wellness with Yasmin, she works globally with various clients one-on-one and teaches classes online through her academy, Glow Academy. She primarily works with women, but also regularly works with families, including men and teenagers. She has helped guide clients reach results such as improving blood work results, improving their emotional health, reaching goals, developing consistent habits, losing weight, fat loss, managing and healing eating disorders, managing and healing anxiety and depression holistically, establishing personalized fitness regimes, improving thyroid levels, managing food allergies and sensitivities, building and improving business practices, having more energized Ramadan, reducing inflammation, improve family communication, reducing muscular and joint pain to name a few. She is my or she she is definitely my first ever business coach and i'm so excited to have her on so today's episode is going to talk about the importance of a business and health coaching when it comes within the muslim communities why it's important to invest in ourselves and how to invest our in ourselves not just with money but also with time and why is emotion intelligence testing very important for us and then we talk about different tests that she recommends 
And we talked about how can someone be an optimal versus perfectionist in our own health journey. We talked about, again, emotion intelligence and, of course, so much more. So let's get started. Welcome to the show, Coach Yasmin. How are you today? Assalamualaikum, all. I'm good. Alhamdulillah. How are you doing? Waalaikumsalam. Alhamdulillah. So, Yasmin, tell us a little bit about yourself and what you currently do. Sure. So, by profession, I'm a board-certified holistic health coach. And basically what that means is I help people with lifestyle changes, train to focus on optimal, optimal mental, spiritual, and physical health. And I'm trained in things like nutrition and psychology and fitness. And in my work, I work with individuals, families. And to kind of summarize it, I work on a lot of different topics, but it's really about, at the end of the day, a holistic approach is finding the root cause, looking at the individual as a whole, and also giving very bio-individual coaching, which basically means that everyone needs something different. And I'm the founder of Wellness with Yasmin. That's my practice where I work with individuals. And people could learn more at my website, which is wellnessyasmin.com. Yes, and I call her Coach Yasmini, guys, because she's technically still my coach in a way. So I, um, she was my business coach last in 2018, but I'm still a part of her Wellness Academy. So that's why I'm like, Coach Yasmin is on. <laughs> Alhamdulillah, and that's awesome. Alhamdulillah. So as a business and a health coach and being a Muslim, what do you say to those who are struggling to find their voice? and serving the Muslim communities, like me, like myself. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So I'll give my thoughts on this. And I think I'm obviously going to answer this specific to the Muslim community, but I think this also can apply, you know, if someone's listening, I'm sure you have listeners sometimes that come from various faiths or whatnot. But regardless, it could apply to any sort of community because I feel like Sometimes just once you get in a community, each community has their own identities and their own issues and things like that. So I kind of broke it down into five main things that could help with this. One is understand that everyone is different. So even when you're serving a community, all those people in the community, in this case, the Muslim community, they're all joined in terms of their faith. At the same time, though, that doesn't mean that everyone is exactly the same actually you're going to find a variety of different people within the Muslim community and it's just important to recognize that and then on top of that it's important to understand that everyone's going to think differently even if they do share you know similar belief systems. I'd also say that it's important to think for yourself if you're familiar with the concept of group think. It's the idea that sometimes when we are in a group setting like if you know, if someone's listening and they've been to college, I'm sure you've done like some kind of group project, which is kind of good or bad, depending on if you're the helpful person in the group or someone who doesn't really help in the group. But the idea here is sometimes in a group setting, people might just agree, even though they wouldn't do that individually. So it's important to think for yourself. Three is focus on what unites us. There is so much that unites us. A lot of times there's this drama and disconnection and disunity, and it tends to focus on issues that I'm not going to say aren't important because they are, but like there's so much that connects us. And I think it's important, going back to number one, that people get comfortable with the fact that there's differences. 
this one's really, I think, one of the most important ones. I think they're all important, but really important to your question. And it's to not get so easily discouraged whenever you're trailblazing, which basically means like doing something new, or even if you're doing something that has been around for a while, or you're trying to bring something to a community, people are going to have resistance because people are used to what they're used to. And that doesn't, you know, in order to succeed, we have to be okay with failing. And I think because in this like social media world, a lot of times people share their wins and not necessarily the struggles, which is okay. People forget that like things take time and things sometimes don't work out. So getting discouraged, it's okay to be sad. I think we're talking about emotions later. So it's really good to like acknowledge if you're sad, but just not to get discouraged. And then also recognize how amazing the Ummah is. Like literally there's so many amazing things happening now. When I remember back to like, you know, my own teen years or something like that. There weren't like youth groups at the masjid. There weren't like all these, you know, huge conventions. There weren't all these awesome influencers online. There wasn't all of these resources. And, you know, there's all these institutions now and things like that. So even though there's so much that, you know, we can sit here all day talking about problems within the ummah, which I'm not pretending they don't exist, we do. There's really so much good stuff, and we have to remember that Muslims are human just like everyone else, and that means they're not perfect. So it's important that we focus on the good. Not in like a toxic positivity way, which basically means like ignoring the fact that there's bad, but just on the fact of just reminding ourselves to look at it, balance the good and the bad. That's kind of my thoughts on that. Thank you, and preach it hands down. So... SubhanAllah, this is actually our second time recording this episode, guys, and as as of this recording on, like, literally September 19th, I just kind of, I, I've been feeling this whole entire, like, a failure because of my retreat that I, like, went all about and I shared about on social media, and now I have to go and, like, tell the world that it's just canceled and kind of, like, I feel embarrassed, I feel like a failure, but I keep, I keep thinking of, like, what Yasmin coached me when I first start my business she taught me how to think and like not what to think and that's a huge deal because it does empower me right now and like how to how to think and not like what I should be doing like you know how I'm supposed to be doing and and how I'm supposed to be learning from the failure and like all that stuff and like take things with a grain of salt because uh you know as she said like there is there you know it's it's fun but it's definitely an adventure but I believe it's not just in the Muslim community I know it's in the in other faith communities but because you are muslim i'm muslim i know we can relate about that part <laughs> yeah absolutely absolutely yeah so, alhamdulillah so how and why investing into coaching is empowering to our well-being yeah so the first thing i wanted to share is that investment doesn't just mean money it means time and also willingness to work past resistance. So obviously, money is the most common form of investment. And it's an important one. I'm a believer in let's be real, like, especially these days, and I guess even in past days, it's all relative to the time and the cost of living and stuff like you, you need money in order to live. And it's important to understand that budgets are important, even if someone has, like, if money isn't really a stressor in their life and they have finances, they still need to budget. Like people hear that word budget and think like, oh, that sounds like, you know, 
annoying to budget or whatnot, but I'm a big fan of Dave Ramsey. I don't know if you're familiar with him. He is not Muslim, but he has a lot of great advice regarding like personal finances and how to manage your money and things like that. But the idea, he basically, him and his daughter, Rachel Cruz, they have this concept where it's basically budget simply means that you basically give like every dollar a job, if that makes sense. And that doesn't mean like everything, everyone spends or whatnot, but it's just the idea of, you know, obviously there are things that are non-negotiable, like things you need just to survive, like a roof over your head, which, you know, alhamdulillah, for having that and whatnot. But then once you've taken care of like, I guess, bills and needs and things like that, everyone gets to decide like with whatever, and that might be a little bit, it might be more depending on your circumstances, where they're going to kind of put that money. It depends what you value. Some people value, you know, material things. Some people value experiences. It just really varies per, per the person. Now, investing, whenever you're using the word investing, we're hoping for a return on that investment. So that means that the output should be greater than the input. So it's important to definitely invest in our well-being because we are our greatest asset. It's really important. And it's also important, as I was starting to mention earlier, to understand that time is an invest. So I find this a lot with women, especially. Sometimes they focus on the fact that money feels like an investment, but time doesn't feel like an investment. And money is an investment. I'm not saying that it isn't. But if you're not valuing your time, then that says a lot about one's self-worth and their relationship self and whatnot. So that's really important. And the third thing is willingness to work past resistance. You can invest in the best equipment, the best trainers, the best coaches, the best classes, the best teachers, the whatever, and you can give all of your time. But if you're not willing to work past resistance, resistance is kind of just like, when like we say we want something, but we don't actually like there are things holding us back or there's things we have to push through. Usually these are mental and emotional barriers. Maybe we'll speak about later, but that's also a form of investment. You know, I also want to just mention that, you know, sometimes people just kind of hope that things will figure out themselves, whether it's their health or their fitness or their mental being or whatever the case may be. But it is important to understand that not solving your issues cost time and money as well. And if someone can't afford investing to their well-being, there's always a level of investment that could be made. If money's the issue, there's ways to get help for free. Books and the internet are great. It's really important to understand that. And there's some people in their financial situation, maybe they can't even afford to buy a book. Let's be real. So there are libraries, there are resources, a lot of libraries now even let you borrow like ebooks and things like that. So those are all valuable. I just want to point out that when someone's trying to pull information from books or the internet or whatnot, that tends to be more random information than if you were to sit with a teacher or a coach or work with a trainer or whatnot, which doesn't mean it's not valuable. I am someone who I kind of like to do both things. I like to go to experts, and I also like to figure things out myself. That's part of my personality. But it's just important to understand that uh, it's so important to invest in one's own well-being, and that also means time, taking time 
for yourself and taking care of yourself with it's hard sometimes you know I don't want to pretend like it's easy depending on if someone's caring for a child or an aging parent or if someone's just trying to make ends meet you mentioned Glow Academy earlier one of my online courses in there is called self-care and rejuvenation for his faith and like in the very first class I don't remember the number but I teach like 10 barriers to self-care what I mean by that is the idea that sometimes like there are barriers that stop us from even doing that. So I don't, you know, this is a podcast, so we're going to not go very, very deep, but I just want to make it like if someone's out there listening and they're thinking like, well, that sounds great. It's mean, but it's not that easy for me to take time to myself. Like, okay, I do get that. Then I encourage you to kind of, you know, find a way to figure out what are the barriers you know, if it doesn't feel like you could do that, because there's always an answer, even if it's tough. So that's kind of how I'd answer that question. Yeah, so true. And like time is such a huge thing. Like, I have like, I'm into like a whole academy into like a another like uh, the mastermind group, the IDFIT TV, and I'm paying for all these memberships. (laughs) But I'm like, I don't have time. It's so hard. So and something to consider. But like she said, even the free stuff like that you're consuming, like how much are you investing of that content that you're part of on social media and stuff which is a great segue to talk about emotional intelligence especially for the women so why is emotional intelligence and testing are important and what is it yeah absolutely i'll definitely talk about women would you like me to talk about individuals as well do you mostly have women listening or is it i have right? i feel like i have few men but it's definitely women but i do have some men listening sometimes okay <laughs> So I'll definitely, I'll focus on women, but I'll talk in general as well, just for anyone who's listening. Oh, and by the way, sorry to interrupt you, but actually I do have a reference we talked about with Jonathan. He came on my show and we talked about men's health and men's emotion came up. So that's something as a reference that if you want to talk about as well. And also you and I talked about the importance of talking about men's emotions. (laughs) Remember? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. And you know, it's so important, you know, for... When I first started out, so I've been coaching for like over seven years now, alhamdulillah, but when I first started out, I was mostly focused on women and in my work. And, you know, like there were men involved in terms of like those people's family members and things like that. And, you know, definitely when I did public events for communities and things like that. But as the years have gone along, you know, I'd still say majority of people I work with definitely is women, but I've you know, been working with men as well within the context of families. And it's it's really important. And it, the, the honest truth is that it's women and men are very connected in, you know, a huge way. And it's important for us to understand that. But regarding your main question of emotional intelligent testing, so there's a lot of great tests. I'm going to focus on four today, inshallah. I just want to point out that these are not like, it's not like you're going to, you take these and like, they're going to fix your life. Like these are, it's just information. So it's what you do with it. I think everyone really owes it to themselves to understand themselves at an emotional intelligence level. I work with individuals on a plethora of topics. When I coach, sometimes it's like a health issue, like autoimmune disease or thyroid issues or things like post-traumatic stress disorder. Sometimes I'm working with individuals on business. My undergraduate degree is in business many different topics. So whenever I work with a client, 
and you would know this, but like I, I make them fill out a lot of things in the beginning. Not she everyone, does. <laughs> not everyone fills out the same thing though. Like you were focusing on business, so I didn't review your blood work, for example. But I review blood work for clients who are focused on like physical issues, right? Well, the reason I bring this up is no matter what I'm working on with someone, I always have people do emotional tests. So no matter what the topic is, emotional testing is always included regardless of what we're working on so obviously that means pretty important it's important because everyone's different sometimes like it's good to follow influencers online and read what works for people and follow plans and stuff but it, but you have to understand that everyone is different and needs to be handled as such so i'm going to go through some of these tests so myers-briggs is a very popular personality test. It's often used in the business world. I know the first time I heard about this was when I was doing my bachelor's degree because it is spoken about in the business world and employers sometimes use it to kind of understand the people that they're hiring. And Myers-Briggs is traditionally a very large test that you could buy and whatnot, but there's a great website if someone just wants to casually do Myers-Briggs testing, they could do it online for free. It's 16personalities.com. Myers-Briggs is great because it basically looks at five major areas and it helps you kind of understand yourself. There's basically 16 different types that a person gets. And when you go to that website, I just want to note that people will get like a name and like an avator or like a cartoon thingy that like describes them. That's cool and that's important, but that's not actually the most important thing. You want to look at the letters and the percentages. So for instance, the first category, I mentioned there's five, is the introversion to extroversion scale. So if someone gets like introverted 60%, that means they're introverted 60% and they're extroverted 40%. There's a common myth that introverted people are shy. That's not actually what it means to be introverted. Introverted means that they tend to create their own energy, they need downtime, and things like that. So Myers-Briggs is a great way to learn about oneself. Gretchen Rubin's Four Tendencies is also a great way to learn about oneself, and that could be Google as well. Basically, she divides people into four tendencies. The four types are rebel, obliger, questioner, and I'm forgetting the fourth one at the moment. So it's rebel. Oh, yes. So that actually reminds me. Oh, and Upholder, yeah, yeah. As you're talking, I like pulled my results because I actually did that for from okay. her from her once academy. And so I am ESFPT, which means I'm the entertainer. Do you want to briefly talk about that, maybe? Yeah, like what yours means. <laughs> yeah. Or yeah, of course. As long as you don't mind that it's public, then I'm yeah, I'm yeah. Down. Okay. Yeah. So you said ES, and I know I have you. FP dash T. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have your percentages? Yeah, so I am 53% extroverted, 54%. Huh? You said 53? Yeah, I'll share the screen with you. And then also 54% absorbent, 69% feeling, which is so true, 67% prospecting, and then 82% turbulent. Oh my gosh, which is, when I read about that part, I'm like, that's so true. Yeah, I have something, uh, I'll, I'll share something interesting regarding that because people always like, that's the one people always have the biggest reaction to when they're reading because it just sounds 
I remember once I had a client who like basically said like I don't like that that's what that one is for that one but I'll actually explain what that means because it's really it's important to understand so for your first two I just want to mention that you're very almost center on the first two categories because it's like 53 percent you know what I mean so you're like do you do you follow or should I explain a little bit oh I get it I get it okay so that means like you're extroverted but you're very close to the middle there if that makes sense and I I think that definitely makes sense there but extroverted and again I just really want to emphasize here like introverted doesn't mean people don't like people that's like a really common like misconception it just simply means that you know usually introverts just need a little bit more downtime after social gatherings and things like that but you're very much in the middle there so that probably means that like you enjoy people's company and you enjoy being in you know places with people and whatnot, but you probably also enjoy like your solitude and stuff. And I know that to be true because I know you like to like bike and do cool things and, you know, swim and take time to yourself. So you're kind of in the middle there. Do you want to say anything before I continue? No, I'm just smiling because it it, continue. (laughs) Yeah. So the second category, you got observant. So the other, again, this is a spectrum. So on one side, it's observant and one side, it's intuitive. So you're like almost in the middle, which means you're a little bit more observant than intuitive, but you're kind of like almost balanced on both. That would mean you're like 46% observant. I mean, sorry, intuitive. So it's very close. Intuitive people tend to get a lot of information internally, and they tend to focus a lot on the future. Observant people tend to focus on like the present moment, So you being somewhere in the middle is probably a mixture of like focusing on the present moment, but also really future focused, which makes sense. I mean, you're an entrepreneur, so entrepreneurs are going to be future focused for sure and goal oriented. So you're very much in the middle there. I also just want to say there isn't really like a good or bad result in this, except for maybe the last category, which isn't bad, but it's maybe just like even when I teach my emotional freedom class. I never teach people that they should want different in any way. But if someone truly wants emotional freedom, they'd want to work on one category, which I'll mention. Feeling, it's either feeling or thinking. So 69%, that doesn't mean that if someone has feeling that they don't think. Like, duh, of course they think. It's just that more of their decisions are going to be powered by emotions and they like their emotions are important to them and whatnot. You know, so that's what feeling is and then perspecting you're you're kind of and really there's no except for maybe the last one you're not really seeing like 80 percent here or anything huge like 50 60 percent just still shows like a lot of balance not that that's good or bad but it just means like kind of like the best of both worlds if that makes sense perspecting is either perspecting or judging perspecting kind of means being spontaneous and going with the flow Judging doesn't mean judging other people, even though it sounds like that. Judging basically means like really being focused on rules and like structure. And again, that doesn't mean because you're more on the perspective side, you don't care about rules or anything like that. But it just means like you're a little bit more in the direction on the like spontaneous side. Turbulence, the opposite of turbulence is assertiveness. And it sounds like I I mentioned, uh, I had a client who basically was like, I don't like that, like my turbulent result is really high. Typically, it's not that abnormal, especially if someone has, you know, like, they're more on the feeling side and things like that. But turbulence 
is basically like, or assertiveness, it's basically how confident one feels in their abilities and whatnot, and how assertive they are. So typically, I recommend like, as people, like I always tell people they should accept themselves as they are, if they want more emotional freedom, it's really not hard to get that percentage down. Most people who like, and I've had so many people, and I have the results, I were to pull them up, take this test, most people taking the emotional freedom class, when they're first starting out on their journey of like emotional freedom and whatnot, they're going to have higher turbulence numbers. But that's actually something I don't know if you've personally got there yet. But later on, I kind of say like, that's the one if someone works more towards assertiveness, they'll feel more like, like emotional freedom in their life. And it's not it's not that difficult. And there's good reasons, you know, for that, you know, I've had my own percentage go down and that's nothing to be ashamed of or anything like that. But it's pretty cool because it just helps you like and that, I think it's so cool that like we went through your real time ones. That's pretty awesome. But um, yeah, I guess do you have questions like on any of your results or anything like that. Not necessarily, but I just want to emphasize how it is actually important to know because she said I am a very emotional person I've talked to a lot of women who tell me like I'm also having a hard time controlling my emotions or not letting my emotions get in my way and like that can impact our fitness journey so like sometimes I I notice like some people who push themselves too much in the workout and that could be part of it being so emotional that you're getting your anger through the workout and if you're doing it like super fast right away you can injure yourself in the long run and so controlling your emotions and your anger and all that stuff is actually really important for you on fitness journey and success and that's why it all goes hand in hand yeah absolutely and again like being emotional like uh, it's usually so looked down upon like it's a weakness being emotional is a strength it's just that like for instance if like like you'd never like having 69 percent feeling that's not a bad thing that's actually pretty cool because that means like you're feeling things that some people are just numbing out right? Not to say that someone's bad if they're not in feeling. I'm just saying like that's strength. Like you don't need that to change. Sometimes people come to me and they say like, oh, I just have to stop being emotional. It's probably more like if someone's 69% feeling and they're like 50% and they're more on the assertive side than turbulent, assertive people take control of their emotions. They don't feel less. They don't, you know, they feel more confident in their emotions and whatnot. So really the goal is never to be less and you said it yourself, like it's about like controlling the emotions. But part of that is feeling confident in them and whatnot. But if anyone's listening, like I'm a very emotional person. I'm a very logical person as well. Like I, I really do care about logic, but feelings are more important to me. But yeah, yeah, absolutely. I guess you want me to mention some of the other tests or we could just leave links for people to check them out themselves, whatever you want, inshallah, in terms of managing the time. Uh, you can say them really briefly. And everyone, it'll be in the show notes. I'll have the link so you guys can go and check them out if you are interested. But yeah, tell us about Tommy, Tom Ferries, which I don't know about, and then HSP test. Okay. Yeah, and you'll probably, if I, I talk about the Tom Ferry one in the emotional class as well. But basically, he it's from his book, and he talks about four addictions. And it's basically the idea, it's not like addictions like drugs or alcohol, although those are obviously addictions as well but they're a little bit less traditional addictions than what we think. I'll only like briefly talk about it, but people could look at into that more. But it's the idea of things like being addicted to drama, being addicted to the past. These are basically things that it's important for us to get honest with ourselves about if we're 
stuck on these things because they could really hold us back, emotionally speaking. HSP, that's actually the work of Dr. Elaine, and it's HSP stands for Highly Sensitive Person, and that's a test that's online on her website, and I don't remember the number. I think if you get more than 14, you technically qualify as a highly sensitive person. Again, sensitivity is not a weakness. Sensitivity is a strength. You know, when we hear sensitive, we think weak. But really, like, think of it, I know we have, like, all this updated technology now, but if you remember when cars used to have, like, antennas for the radio or whatnot, like, sensitivity is almost like an antenna. Like, the more sensitive you are, the more you notice things and whatnot. Sometimes that could be a not great thing because someone's, like, really hypervigilant. That's one sign that someone may have something like post-traumatic stress disorder, which, by the way, doesn't just come from being in war. There's something called complex post-traumatic stress disorder, which comes from emotional abuse. It comes from being in toxic settings and whatnot. And sometimes people who have been in any sort of abusive situation, they're going to be very, like, they're going to notice what other people do. And that might look like high sensitivity, but it's really hypervigilance. It's more of a survival mechanism. So again, sensitivity is a beautiful thing, but it's just important to understand yourself. And there's so many other testing and things, but those are just like four that we can kind of, you know, talk about, inshallah. Is that in your academy? Because I, I started the um, sensitive class in your once academy, but I haven't finished it yet. And so I don't remember if it was there. Yes. Yeah, so those are all in the emotional freedom one. But okay. then there's other testing. And actually, the emotional freedom I taught live back in, I think, 2016 or 15. I can't remember the year off the top of my head, but I actually have been planning like an advanced emotional freedom. So there's other tests as well. But Tom Ferry is definitely in there. I'm pretty sure HSP is in there as well. I could double check, but I'm pretty positive. And actually, Tom Ferry comes from his book. There's not actually, so if someone wanted to look at that, I think there's an article online. If someone just Googles that, they could find it, but there's not like a quiz you could do online. I made in the emotional freedom class, there's like a homework assignment, a Google doc where like I quote his book and like I have people reflect on the four addictions. But yes, that is in, I think that's in class two. I think so. If not, it's going to be three. But yes, it's in there. Inshallah. And I know you mentioned like you're part of all these things. Sometimes it's hard to find time. I hear you. We can only do, you know, usually it helps for us to find ways to like make time or whatnot. But I hear you. You know, I even, you know, we all have limited time. But yes, that's in there. So as a follow up question, then how can how can being optimal versus perfectionist help us with our health journey? Sure. So there's this guy named Brian Johnson, and he talks about the idea of being an optimalist. I really recommend if this is a topic, if perfectionism is a topic for any listeners listening right now, I really recommend that you listen to his YouTube video on this topic. And I think it's like seven minutes or something. So it's not that long. He basically says how like being a perfectionist, like if you identify as being a perfectionist, or someone who procrastinates, or someone who has trouble getting started, or even someone who has trouble in the process, you can reframe your mind to think of yourself as an optimalist, not an optimist. Being an optimist and looking at the positive is good too, but that isn't what we're talking about. We're talking about being an optimalist. Excuse me, I think he's the one who created this word, but it's and it's so important to me whenever I share someone else's idea. I create a lot of my own ideas, but I think it's important 
on this digital world for people to share where they got their ideas from and whatnot, especially if it's someone else's. So being an optimalist is like best case scenario. So when someone's a perfectionist, they are trying to be something that doesn't exist because as humans, we cannot be perfect. Only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala could be perfect. Only God is perfect. So if we aim for something that does not even exist, we're going to fail. However, being an optimalist means getting the best you can out of that situation. Sometimes it's a biased thought that perfectionists have that if you don't do things perfectly, they're going to be soft. So what's the point? But you don't have to have this all or nothing mentality. This black and white thinking is not pro like it's inaccurate biased thinking. Instead, if we focus on optimalism, we're focusing on what is the best possible outcome I could have that is actually realistic. And that helps with our health journey because I'm sure you see this as a personal trainer and I've definitely, you know, I've seen it in my personal training days. I've seen it in my uh, health coaching days, but sometimes people want like, you know, I'm a believer that like you could accomplish anything you want. Like I don't like putting limits on people, but at the same time, some things like are just not realistic. Like for instance, I, I remember many years ago being reached out to someone, reached out by someone who like was asking like, how do I lose? Like, I don't even remember the number, but like 20 pounds in a week or something, or is that possible? And someone else I knew at the time heard this and they said kind of, it was kind of like a, messed up response in my opinion but it's a little funny too I'll just I'll say it just for like funny aspects but they're like uh you could chop a leg off or something like how you know like it's not really possible to lose that much the problem is we live in a society of quick fads if we're talking about something like weight loss not all weight loss is equal so fat loss is not the same as water loss so sometimes like celebrities go on crash diets and they lose a lot in one week or a couple of days they're going to be losing muscle and water because fat loss takes time. So having an optimal mindset regarding the health journey is basically understanding that it's a one step at a time process and it's not about perfectionism. I like that a lot. And it's so true because like I said, with the workouts, you don't want to make it like a perfect, perfect workout, but you want to focus on like an optimal workout, like a functional workout and get the most out of it. And so I know we kind of jumped back and forth, but going back to the emotional intelligence topic, um, can you tell us like how is that important and a little bit more on understand understanding our emotional? Yeah, absolutely. So emotional intelligence is a really big topic. And so we'll go in depth. And then I guess if you have follow-up questions, I'll explain. But people should think of this almost as intel intelligence that they could use information that they could use it it really just is a way to live an even better life to improve the quality of your life because you know people say things like oh, women are emotional men aren't emotional that's not even true really like people say women overact men don't overact like that that's not true either it's just those are like societal things that are taught to us but they're not true like if you let's say you get like the most um, and this is just like a stereotype, but I'm just using it to like bring a point across. Let's say you get like the traditional like tough masculine man who loves sports and doesn't show his emotions, blah, blah, blah. And like he's watching like a sports game that means so much to him. 
and you turn off that channel while he's watching the game and like they'll freak out you know so i'm just saying like people get emotional over things they care about so typically empathy is a big thing what men and women both have the capacity to be empathetic unfortunately a lot of times you know men have been taught that that's weakness and whatnot but it's actually not and if you look at our example of our prophet muhammad we see that that is the biggest strength. So let's start off by talking about empathy. Empathy is the ability to basically put yourself in someone else's shoes, feel what other people are feeling. It's important because one big thing in emotional intelligence is understanding the world just doesn't revolve around us. So I'm going to actually skip to number four, and then I'll go back to number two in terms of the things I wrote down for this question. There is a difference between personal emotional intelligence and relational emotional intelligence. There's a difference between personal self-development and relational self-development. I know a lot of people who love, you know, they tell me because this is like my line of work, they love self-help section in like Barnes and Noble. They love like personal development books. I'm like, I've always loved those things self. That's all really important. But the thing is, is that it's not just about us. Like there's a big difference. Like you can work on yourself. You could work on your own health and fitness goals. You can work on your own career goals, whatever the case may be. And that's really important. But at the end of the day, if you don't learn relational emotional intelligence, how to interact with individuals, especially individuals that maybe you butt heads with or people that are different than you, or even like family is a huge one because you know, people sometimes struggle the most because unfortunately, for a lot of reasons, sometimes people treat people outside of their family a lot better than their family because family settings, it's really easy for toxicity to come in there because is it because people care about their family less? No, typically it's because people care more about their family, but it's not the right way of caring. It's because there's a comfort level. When you feel there's some things that some people would do to the people closest to them because they feel comfortable enough to do it. But does that mean that's right? No. We listen to our prophet, and he basically said, the best of you are those who are the best to your family, and I am the best to my family. And I think that that's so important. I think in this world where we're, you know, we have social media, and that's a great thing, by the way. Like, literally, we wouldn't even be having this conversation if that didn't exist. You know, I wouldn't get to work with so many cool people if that didn't exist. So it's great, but we really need to focus on our private lives more than our public lives. That's really important. And also understanding how to relate to other people, how to identify what triggers us. The ability to hold space for other people is a form of emotional intelligence. Sometimes when the people closest to us are going through something hard, it's hard for us see them going through that like think of like a mother seeing her child suffer sometimes really well-intentioned parents will deny their child the ability to feel bad because they don't want to see their child feeling bad but actually feeling bad sometimes is part of life if you stop someone from feeling bad they're not going to be able to move through that they're going to get stuck in that so holding space is and this is why people go to therapy this is why people go to coaches and whatnot and it's really important to get it from a professional sense, but you can also hold space in your own relationships with your friends and your family. It's the idea of just sitting with someone emotionally, where they are, not judging them, listening to them. Sometimes people think that if you disagree with someone, you cannot support them. 
you can support someone emotionally without agreeing with them logically, right? And then also the ability to act out of consciousness versus subconscious. Sometimes when people let their emotions control them and whatnot, they're really acting out of their subconscious. They're acting out of a triggered place, and that might mean there's some healing that needs to be tended to and whatnot. But, you know, emotional intelligence, there's just so many more things we could talk about. But those are just a couple of things. And I'm sure, you know, you can branch out into whatever you think is going to be most beneficial for your audience, inshallah. No, I like it. And then you mentioned the ability to hold space and then to act out of conscience versus subconscious. Did you go back to that or not as much? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're saying, could I go back to it, right, and talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, just a little bit. Yeah, sure. So, like, an example of holding space. So, I'll give an example, and I'm also going to recommend a really cool video. Let me just Google it to make sure I have the right. So, Brene Brown, she's a researcher on vulnerability. And let me see. She has a video on YouTube. It's pretty short. That's so funny. Actually, uh, I was at a, with Micah Anderson, and he calls it the Sheikha of therapy. Okay. Yeah, no, Brene Brown. Yeah. I really recommend her braving model on trust. That's another great one as well. Trust is a big part of emotional intelligence. Yeah, so it's a YouTube video. It's, it's like a cartoon, actually. But it's Brene Brown on empathy. So basically, it's this bear and this. Yeah, I saw it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, you've watched it. But basically, someone's not feeling that well. And it's the idea that the person not feeling well is in a hole. And really, I recommend people watch this. But like, someone could either like look over the hole and be like, oh, that sucks. That's not holding space. But actually, walking down into that hole... And just sitting next to that person and being there for them, that's the idea of holding space. And I do want to say something. Sometimes, especially if someone is codependent, which codependent means that someone puts the the needs of others ahead of themselves. Now, this isn't always. Like, for instance, a mother with a newborn child is not codependent. You have to put the needs of a baby before yourself. Someone who's caretaking for, like, a sick family member, they're not codependent. They're doing what they need to do. They're only codependent in those examples if they don't take care of themselves too and if they don't get help. But codependency is when somebody basically, like their emotional their emotional space is very controlled by others and they're really preoccupied with relationships. It doesn't just have to be romantic relationships. Why I mention this is because some people, empathy is never bad. But if someone is, there's this other quote, don't set yourself on fire to others warm. You don't want to like give all of yourself and never give back to yourself because some people might hold space or they're always there for other people. Sometimes I see this a lot too with women and it's with men too. I've definitely seen this with men, but sometimes some people, they're there for people who would never be there for them back. Now it's important to understand we do things for the sake of Allah, we don't do things for people so we can get things back. That's not health either. But it is important to understand this isn't about sacrificing yourself. So if you're not in a good place yourself, that doesn't mean you can't support someone else, but you just want to acknowledge that. Sometimes when people people are struggling themselves, but they're still like really addicted to like helping other people and whatnot. And By the way, I'm not saying that if you're struggling, you can't help other people. You absolutely can. You just don't want to help other people and deny the fact that you need help yourself. You need to make sure that there is a balance there because otherwise it's really easy to get burned out. You know, that fuels more depression and things like that. But basically the idea of holding space is like just 
sitting with people in the discomfort. Sometimes that's hard for people because people get defensive or they don't understand or sometimes people get sick of people that don't feel well or whatnot. But you find that when you let people feel what they need to feel, they move out of it really quickly. Everyone knows what they need to do. Usually it's like people wanting to change people. So even in my work, I work with a lot of families, whether it's like, um, you know, like husband, wife, sibling and sibling, parent and child, child and parent. And sometimes I get requests where like family member might come to me on behalf of another family member. They basically want like that family member to change or whatnot. And that's not how it works. It's about two people working together and whatnot. And just, you know, holding space is about letting someone be where they are. That doesn't mean you can't like influence people. There's a difference between influencing people and manipulating people. I talk about this in my self-care class, but holding space is just basically seeing someone and hearing someone and letting them be and just being there for them. And holding space takes a lot of emotional energy, by the way, to hear someone vent, to hear someone this or that. So when someone's really healthy and someone's in a place where they're not codependent, they could hold space without like absorbing that. Sometimes people are empathetic and their attachment style, that's like a whole other topic that if you want, I could explain, but someone could also Google that. If their attachment style is not healthy, Sometimes people who are emotional and can't control their emotions don't actually know how to separate their emotions from someone else's emotions. So in order to successfully hold space for someone else, it's really important to understand like your what's your emotions and what's someone else's. And that's when people could really start to hold space for people in the most beautiful ways. I think you also mentioned you wanted me to talk a little bit more about the conscious versus subconscious. Do you still want me to do that? I'm happy to, but I also just realized you're probably also monitoring time and stuff like that. Yeah, can we go about it? And then we're almost close to the end. Okay, (laughs) sure. Yeah, so subconscious and conscious, those are psychological words. Whenever we go through a trauma, and trauma doesn't have to be something huge, by the way. Sometimes when we hear the word trauma, We think of like murder, a fire, assault, like really extreme things, which are obvious trauma. Like I'm not saying they're not, they are, but sometimes they could be like microaggression too, you know, being invalidated by your loved one, being minimized by a parent, being unheard by someone, you know, who you care about, feeling, you know, reaching out for help and getting rejected. Like there's different things that could be difficult. When we're children, especially, and these sorts of things happen, we build coping mechanisms. And a lot of times when people don't do the emotional work later in adulthood, they're still acting out of a place of coping mechanisms they developed in childhood. Those coping mechanisms might have been helpful when one was young and couldn't really do much for themselves. But it becomes really dysfunctional in adulthood. So it's really about healing those and finding better ways. Whenever we suppress something, so subhanAllah, like this is one of the ways that like the human body takes care of itself. And it's like a miracle from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Sometimes when things are really difficult for us, we might suppress emotions, which basically means like bury them deep within us and whatnot. And Sometimes, like, if someone has a lot of suppressed emotion or a lot of things in their subconscious, this is going to come out in a lot of different ways. It'll usually come out 
in the form of serious addictions. It'll usually come out in chaos. It might come out in emotional turbulent outbursts. It could come out in a lot of different ways. Basically, what I'm talking about here is it's a form of emotional intelligence to move subconscious stuff into the conscious. And conscious just means we're aware. And once we're aware of it, we can deal with it. I know you love journaling, and journaling is a great way to move subconscious thoughts into conscious thoughts. And sometimes it's painful, too, when you face it. But let me tell you this. It's so much more painful not to face it because then it just lingers. Once you face it, you can eventually let go of it. And sometimes some things are so hurtful, you might carry it for whatever, but it doesn't control you anymore. So it's really important to understand that, like, moving things into the conscious is really important. Sometimes people, like we're talking about fitness or, you know, even eating habits or whatnot. Like sometimes people will like mindlessly eat. I think you you mentioned you had a podcast with someone on mindfulness. But when someone's being mindless, not mindful, they're usually acting out of their subconscious. So that usually means a lot of suppression. And the opposite of suppression is expression. So the more we can move into our consciousness, the better. When we could live our daily lives conscious, it's not always going to be that way. Listen, sometimes you have to, you know, get somewhere really quickly. You have to meet a deadline. You have a commute. You have stress. You have whatever the case may be. Sometimes you're going to have to be on autopilot. But it's so important that we make conscious decisions instead of just act out of our subconscious and our triggering. So it's not just about journaling or writing about the past it's also about like right here in this moment like are you living consciously that doesn't mean perfectly it just means like are you actually making decisions consciously of what you want to do so that's you know related to emotional intelligence awesome and she's talking about micah anderson guys go back to that episode yeah you're welcome no thank you for mentioning that because and so I'm great to summarize this amazing conversation. And I feel like we can talk about it like all day. <laughs> Probably. Uh, yeah. So how is all brought back to fitness journey, right? Working out. It mm-hmm. is brought back together because first of all, you need to make time and effort to invest into your health and workouts. And why is it? It is important to know your emotion, how to manage your emotions and about your emotions like i said before if you are like me a person who still deal with anger issues and stuff like that sometimes if you don't control it properly it can lead into either like trouble at home or it could lead to like injuring your body by pushing yourself to like pass your limits at a workout and that is not good for your body and of course your mind and eventually your soul so you guys can dive into depth with all these amazing topics i'm telling you with wellness with yasmin academy and so coach yasmin where can we stay in contact with you and sign up if if are interested yeah absolutely so i mentioned my website it's wellnesswithyasmin.com i have a mailing list and people could get like a daily wellness checklist when they sign up for that there's also if someone wants like a sample of some of my classes i'm just double checking here i think it's wellnesswithyasmin.com backslash Example, I'm on social media. So on Instagram, I'm at Yasmin Issa, Y-A-S-M-I-N-E-S-S-A. Facebook, it's Wellness with Yasmin. I could be emailed through my website. There's a contact form, again, at wellnesswithyasmin.com. You know, I'm sure there'll be links in the show notes, inshallah. But yes, that is how people could find me. And yeah, you're right that it relates to fitness and all of that and you know the problems never like anger anger is uh, a good thing if it's properly 
communicated and whatnot. But yep, that's where I could be found. Coach Jasmine, tell us about your podcast really briefly and so we can also stay tuned with you. Absolutely. So it could be found on all the major podcast platforms and it's just the Yasmin Issa podcast. And so far, there's been one season on there from last year and there's several interviews with a lot of great individuals. There'll be some more, inshallah, so people could subscribe. It's on iTunes, it's on Spotify, it's on Stitcher, I believe it's also on iHeartRadio, if I'm not mistaken. But regardless, people could find it, and it's the Yasmin Issa podcast. So Y-A-S-M-I-N-E-S-S-A. Awesome. So you guys can also stay tuned with her. Thank you so much for your time, and have a wonderful day. Thank you. Assalamualaikum. Thank you for tuning in. If you've enjoyed this episode, make sure to subscribe today and leave a five-star review. You can also screenshot and share this episode with a family or a friend. Be strong, be fit, be fit for Akhira. <laughs>